Hello, Get A Life fans. It is your boy, your Joe, the only Joe that you've known on this podcast, who is back with a vengeance and is also not back with a vengeance. They're kind of just taking it easy, enjoying the good moments, enjoying the vibes, and talking about some anime. So before that, let me reintroduce our good co-podcasters, Bish and Kevin. Hey guys, what's up? Hey, it's me, Bish, not Kevin. I don't know why. I don't know why you came first, Kevin. What was that about? <laughs> you said Bish and Kevin, and then you were the first one to speak. Well, you snooze, you lose, Bish. Okay, you right, snooze, Kevin, you lose. No, okay. No, I mean, I was don't expecting the both of you to talk at once, but I guess that was too much to ask for. I thought Kevin would be kind, like a good Canadian, and be like, "Hey, Bish, why don't you go first?" Hey. Guys, but he didn't guys, do that. It's fine. This this episode. We're only like what one minute out even to the episode, and it's already been derailed, right? It's, it's this fun. is how you can tell we're back to the three-man format. That's it. We're back. Like, to it's been. It's been, how long has it been? It's been more than two it's years. It's been like two it feels years. Feels like yeah. forever. I can't remember yeah, the last no, it's time. Been, it's been yeah. It's been a couple years. It's, it's been, been it's been two it's years. Been yet busy. we've released one episode during that time. Shh! Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, For know. everyone else, it's like hey, it's only been like two episodes since Joe's been gone. But in True. real time, it's been like, uh, yeah, it's been a while. It's like video game time. That's how it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, what matters is, you know, we're, we're back in it. We're back in the groove. We're going through the motions and we're going to have a lot of fun. Today's episode is one that's going to be a little special. As you guys know, I, I enjoyed Kaiji quite a bit. And, you know, I was, you know, I was in the mood to talk about another gambling anime. And so I recommended for as part of my quote-unquote return with a vengeance which also wasn't much of a vengeance because i'm just kind of going through the motions i decided i want to go and cover kakegurui well before we get to that i like to make it clear for new people here that just so you guys have an idea of what get a life podcast kuna is all about it's a monthly anime discussion podcast under the get a life group as you guys know due to the nature of the discussion we can't afford spoilers of the show that are going to be addressed so if we talk about certain things that are a little spoilery we it's part of the discussion we can't really do anything about that when you when you listen to these kind of episodes recommended that you watch the show first and then come back to us because we'll be waiting for you we're always waiting for you smiley face so be, these shows these kind of shows are based off existing pieces of work whether it's manga light novels or some other medium and we're not going to be covering the source material for that we're going to be covering the show in its purest form and maybe talking about who created the manga but that's as far as we usually go if you like to recommend the show for us though just leave us a suggestion in our discord and we'll get right to that and we'll think about it just to give an idea of what the show is all about. So Kakegurui is trans- translated as Compulsive Gambler. It's a 12-episode gambling psychological thriller anime based on the popular manga by Kamoto Homura and Maomura Toru. But uh, Naomura Toru, I apologize. It's produced by animation studio MAPPA for the 2017 summer lineup, directed by Yuchiro Hayashi and written by Yasuko Kobayashi. Now that we got the officials out of the way, because I mean, it's honestly the worst part of it. <laughs> like, I really want to get right to the discussion. So let's talk about our first impressions. Okay. The show. Um, for me, it's been quite weird because basically we've been watching this during quarantine, and a lot of the time I'm spending not watching anime. I'll be real with you, just because I'm forgetting how to speak English, so I don't want to watch anime and then just 
start speaking Japanese because I've been learning Japanese a little bit during the time as well. Yeah, your brain has been rotting because it, of the quarantine. That's it. So it's been very difficult for me to watch anime, but I'm, I'm on Netflix all the time. I'm watching stuff like How I Met Your Mother and Friends and all that. And I decided, okay, I'm going to watch some anime on Netflix because I'm not bothered to watch any other anime. So I thought, okay. Uh, so I've been watching like One Punch, Black Lagoon. I don't know. Like even before the show was suggested for Kunai, I knew of it because you know those annoying little Netflix notifications? So if you watch one oh, anime on yeah. Netflix, they're always going to push their originals down your throat. And Kakiguru yeah, is one of like, them. It's like, hey, here's like the rest of our catalog. Give it a watch tonight. Yeah, even if it's unrelated, because I don't know how the hell One Punch and Erased is related to this show. I really don't know. But I'm presuming because it is a Netflix original, they pushed it on me. But fair enough. I checked the show's artwork and I saw Yumiko and I kind of got scared a little bit. So I decided not to watch it. And come to oh, think about it. Like, you're scared in what sense? I mean, the way that they looked like in the artwork. <clears throat> not by the oh, art the style, but I could just look into Yumiko's eyes. And I'll get into it a bit later when I talk about Yumiko. But I looked into Yumiko's eyes and I thought, is this a horror anime? Like this looks like she looks like a demon. So that kind of scared me a bit. And, you know, come to think of it, I was a bit stupid for doing that. You know, from the first episode, I was hooked a lot. And the anime was clear from the start, setting out the world and, you know, the house pet system in the school, etc. And the consequences of not being able to pay off the debts. It kind of added this risk, which drew me in further. And not only that, the show's art style wasn't angular and jarring like kaiji and the color palette was bright and varied which i didn't expect from the show looking at the uh, anime's description uh, on netflix so that in itself was very inviting similar to how casino lobbies are are quite uh you know yes. bright and beautiful to kind of get you to stay inside oh no i totally get what you, dude i when you said that like i i love i love going to casinos just to walk through them because there's like this color there's this like there's just grandiose nature to it. Like they're like the decor is just very inviting in a really like seductive way. If I'm not mistaken, Joe, you live in uh, New Jersey, right? So you you're right next to Atlantic City, where there's it's basically the Vegas of. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say that without sounding like without being ignorant, because I mean there are obviously other places to go. I guess if you want if you'd want to get your gambling fix, hmm. but Atlantic City is definitely the big one. Mm. Uh, I've actually gambled a bit myself, and um... oh, <laughs> we've got an extra in our hands here. Hell yeah! No, um, it's because no, Kaiji. No, it's not even like real gambling. It's like it's, it's really just slot machines. Oh okay. Uh, no, because okay. like, you know, I mean, I considered Kaiji... playing on like the car like cards, but see, like, the thing is, we do that at home, but we don't use it with money because none of us have money. But we play a lot of the games <laughs> from from Kaiji, student problems like Chinchiro and all that kind of stuff, which is pretty cool. But I mean, other than that, we don't really we don't really gamble when there's money involved because you got to have money to gamble and this show shows that and it kind of scares you if like if you don't have the money you're gonna get fucked you're gonna become a house pet kevin i'm interested to know your first impressions on the show yeah so i mean i already knew about kakaguri you know partly because yeah netflix has this terrible algorithm that shoves everything down their throat as soon as yeah. you click on something but look uh, i mean that's me, how you discover everything dude yeah it, it's true but like um for me i kind of knew it about it more so because of the manga. You know, just walking to the bookshop all the time, uh, the they really dis prominently display the Kakagori series in my local bookshops because I think it has to do with the, the cover art. And I know we're not supposed to talk about the source material here, but I think that um, even in the show, they, they preserve this very distinct art style. And as soon as I watched the first episode, honestly, like I was hooked because the first thing that hits me, once again, is the visuals oh my god 
Like, I will fight you if you do not <laughs> like the visuals. They are honestly amazing. And, like, it, it's, it goes to show that, you know, like, you can see that this is the same studio that made, like, Yuri and Ice, that made Zombieland Saga, right? They have uh, a really good reputation, right? This is of animation that uh, you've come to expect in the studio, really, right? So um, Kakagori is really no different from that. So that's the first thing that really hooks you in, right? Again, just watching the introduction, so the, the opening and the ending, you really get the feel that, like, you know, you're in the Las Vegas Strip and you're walking down with these bright neon lights and stuff. It's just this very distinct uh, flash colored light, right? But um, that's just on the surface. I, I think that um, what really hooked me as well is that it reminded me in a way of uh, of Kaiji, right? And I'm not gonna lie, I'm not a huge connoisseur when it comes to like gambling anime or gambling shows in general, but uh, you know, watching Kaiji got me intrigued by you know the whole genre, right? Growing up, I liked like Yu-Gi-Oh and all that, you know, card games with like these really intense back and forth moments between two characters. I was always, I was always really hooked by this type of show, so Kakagori was a natural fit, honestly. But um, what I gotta say is that uh, it's really just the gambling aspect of the visuals, but also the freaking really wacky, kind of larger than life scenario that is the backdrop of this show that really hooks you in. Yes. Right? I completely agree with that, Kevin, because it's like, like comparing it a little bit to Kaiji, Kaiji's a little bit more grittier and it just feels a lot like more realistic. I mean, it's not necessarily realistic when you see the, the, the pressure that they're put on and, and the kind well, of I mean, you have like a very, like, I mean, Kaiji kind of nails the, the down to earth uh, vibe when yeah. it comes yeah. to his presentation. But like, I, it, it, it's something that you could, like, if you really thought about, you could maybe see it happening. I yeah, mean, yeah, underground not. gambling and stuff. But when you see a kakegurui, uh, kakegurui, right, it's it's very different. As you said, it's that spectacle. It's showing off kind of like, you know, Vegas and like more American-style casinos. It doesn't feel underground at any point. No, no, I think it's not the opposite. It's like it's like... Well, I mean, as, the... you, as you find out later on, it's like... It's like the there are a lot... Like a lot of people are looking towards this academy as like this as this place to to like go to the next level in terms of your career yeah and as far as i know there's no school that does that you know it's very anime uh setting if you want i I don't mean that in a condescending way right this is really like intense and over the top but it's so over the top it just i don't know it just piques your curiosity that's the thing kevin you said there's no school that does that but there's schools in the united kingdom obviously they don't do it to this level and there's no like gambling and such but there are like private schools in the united kingdom where you know you have your sons of your lords and your ladies right or your mp sons and stuff where you know they're, they're expected to perform a certain way because of their class and whatnot and they have like internal deals like this so those things do occur it's it's not kind of forget about that but it is hyper exaggerated yeah no these things do happen it's for for sure, you know, they obviously are like, you know, high class schools and shit. I don't know, maybe some shitty shit goes down in college. But my point is like just the, the absurd, the absurdness of it, absurdity of this, you know, house pet system, like fucking what, 16 year olds, I think, in, in Japanese high school, like throwing down suitcases of like 100 million men at a time. Yeah, that's the absurdity that of it. Happen, but yeah, it's it just so casual. Like, it's, it is, like, it's like, it is palpable, like, hey, right? dude, here's like 100,000 yen. Like, go buy yourself something good. Yeah, right? So it's kind of the, that absurdness that pulled me in. And uh, honestly, now that I, th- now I think about it, I-, I think that 
if I had to describe this entire show with one word, it would be crazy, right? And in every sense of the word, the, the animation is crazy good, the characters themselves are, you know, like, literally crazy a lot of time and stuff. And it's just that, that uniqueness that pulls you in. But, you know, beneath the surface, I find that um, in terms of how well it portrays gambling in the first few episodes, I found it was a pretty, it was pretty good formula, but um, I found it a tad bit repetitive, right? And I'm not gonna lie, um, you know, usually my first impressions, my notes, it's like, what, three lines, three quick sentences. I didn't actually get out of the first impressions part of my notes until like episode three. And the reason for that is because I feel that beginning, okay, episode one, really good. They introduce you to the kind of absurd backdrop, the, the school, uh, you know, the students there get a feel for it, right? But the first three episodes I find are kind of repetitive, where the pacing of the story is, you know, like every episode is one opponent, one big game, right? It feels like the first three episodes, and this sort of continues later on, but initially it's really kind of the same formula where, you know, oh, okay, you've got the protagonist, he tags along with Yumeko, there's some new crazy ass like girl or whatever who challenges them, right and like they're obviously cheating yumiko like you know, somehow pulls a victory out of her ass at the end because she was like paying lots of attention or whatever right and uh yeah they get defeated right so it's the, the way that it's structured the first three episodes seem very familiar to each other yeah you could you could tell it's kind of like they're that whole part is meant to be like the prologue so to speak exactly but i, I feel that the prologue it kind of overstated as well it wasn't bad, but I was like, okay, I, I get the pacing now, let's really move on, let's get into the, the nitty-gritty, right? Um, just the fact that the they opened with three consecutive, consecutive episodes, where it was one match per, per game, I didn't feel that there was quite that back and forth, even though, like, oh my god, okay, the hero's winning now, oh shit, they're losing, and it's like, you're always uncertain about their, their fate, right? It's just too short for that, whereas compared to Kaiji, right? Kaiji's arcs, the games in that show, they weren't just one episode. It was like this multiple, like what, six, seven episodes where they're playing the same game. Yeah, and then like the tension builds up. Yeah, it, it builds up. One moment he's winning, you're, you're rooting for him, and if the next moment he gets cheated out of like all his money and you're like, fuck, how is he gonna get out of this ditch, right? There's that, it's a roller coaster. Whereas the first few episodes here anyways, the entire adventure from start to finish is over within 24 minutes. Right, so it's it's not like you know these 400 IQ mind games that you expect, but it's more like reveals. So in Kaiji, I feel that you know if you're paying lots of attention or whatever, you can maybe you know catch on to what the villain is doing to cheat or like you know what Kaiji's thinking, right? Whereas here, it's more like you you can't do that. You can't really be part of the game. They just kind of reveal to you how they're cheating and stuff, right? So it's a different formula. I just found that. It's not bad necessarily by being different, but just the three first episodes were kind of more of the same. You know, they didn't really give you anything new. It was like watching the introduction three different times with three different antagonists. Like, honestly, because of that lack of back and forth, because of these short one episode, one match arcs, I felt that for the for the first part of the show, it felt a lot more like I was watching an anime about cheating rather than gambling. And you may be like, but well, Kevin, that's the entire point of the show, or that there's always cheating. You should never bet against the house, right? I, I, but, would, I wouldn't say that. I mean, like, it's kind of a logical 
uh, means of like I mean it kind of goes into into my own first impressions but but it's like it's focusing less on just the act of the gambling and more on like okay like it's like like the first thing you start with is how are they cheating exactly yeah they're, again it's just it's, it's laughing back and forth not bad i just find that it's perhaps you know if they they move those episodes to different points in the the season or just cut it a bit short it really helps with the pacing at the beginning i find i mean there's something i want to mention about that but before we get into that I, joe i really want to hear your impressions maybe how you got into the show because you were the one that suggested this but i want to know like how did you know about this because this is for me this is like the first time knowing about it and i presume also kevin as well so how did you get into the show i don't remember a damn thing about how i got into the show well okay I'm gonna be totally straight with you. I don't even remember how I, how it got recommended to me. Those shows that you're just like browsing Netflix for whatever reason at like two a.m. You have no idea what the fuck you're doing with your life, right? You're just like, oh, whatever. I mean, it wasn't even that. It was just like, no, I know it was recommended by somebody. It's just like, I guess, I guess I can vaguely remember why I was looking for a recommendation like that. I was looking for something that was kind of looking for something different. Like I want something that could give me a bit of a thrill because like I've kind of I I I think that was left to be desired for some time. Looking for that gambling high, for that void that Kaiji left in your heart. <laughs> Maybe because I don't know because like it was around a time when like I loved Kaiji to death. Like it was. Like, I mean, I you still be more did. specific. You you, say you still do. <laughs> yeah, like I still do. Like. And so, well, I mean, the point is I wanted something that would, like, excite me. Something that would maybe, like, enable me to feel in a certain way. And so I stumbled across Kakegurui, and then, you know, I gave it a, a couple of watches. And, well, I mean, I watched a couple episodes, and, you know, there's something... I mean, like, I think the first time, like, before I rewatched it, I, I stopped at episode 8. Because at the time, I was so hooked, I was watching the episodes back-to-back. Um, so the first, like, so the first couple episodes really... Like, Really, that's when it started hooking me in. Like, not just because of the gambling, because the gambling itself was... I mean, the games were simple, but there was also a bit of, like, a twist to it that made it very unique. Mm hmm And, I, Kevin, I think you'll agree with me. The facial expressions. Yeah, yeah. The I animation, like... I can see why Bish got low-key scared at the facial animations and not we'll just that it's just like the, the teeth grinding and stuff and all of that but it's just, it's just everything, yeah like, there's like right? some hyper realism like, sometimes it's like honestly it feels like something you'd fucking expect out of junji ito it's a junji ito the, the guy who does uh manga horror like, yeah it, it's just these very uh, it's just beautiful I, mean, I, I don't know if i'd go that right? far because i mean obviously like, not so goes very like very he goes very far i don't i don't want but, like i know i know like, what i know what you're i know what you're getting at. actually like, like a it's not the same thing at all but uh yeah it's this this contrast you know this very anime normal art style and suddenly there's this like brutal transition all of a sudden into these hyper realistic but like also deformed features in a way i don't know if that makes sense but like well no i, I get yeah. what you mean like it's like there's there's this whiplash that's so compelling yeah in yeah. in this show like i love it when when games shows like any kind of medium for entertainment has that kind of whiplash because it makes it gives you the impression that it's what you're playing or what you're watching is not exactly what it seems to be. Mm -hmm, and yeah, and Gaku like really, really set that bar high for me because like, I thought it was going to be something that was like, I thought the main character was going to be one of those like, like against the odds kind of things because I mean, it still is, but like, for example, I mean, I don't want to compare it with Kaiji, 
but like with Kaiji, like you know that he's kind of this hopeless bum, and he has to kind of use his own wits. But you have mm-hmm. Jibem- you have a Jibami Yumiko who comes in. She kind of has it all down already. Like she has the form, like the formula down. And and the thing is, you can't really. It's really hard to fight against her because she derives pleasure from that idea. Like regardless of whether she wins or loses, because she's not in pursuit yes. of like some kind of victory. She's in pursuit of that thrill, mm. like of get like as she says, like getting her gambling freak on. Yeah. Like and like that's that's something that was just that makes her a very interesting character to me. Definitely, and not like we'll, we'll get into this later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, on. like this is like all character stuff, but like mm, I, I definitely see it though. Like I, I think that one of the first things that I noticed also is the characters. As I said, the entire show is crazy, right? I'm not gonna lie. As much as I liked the gambling aspect of it, I was kind of worried about the characters at first because I was like. Other than the dude, I think everyone might be fucking batshit insane. I don't know how I feel about this, right? Because I, at least with Kaiji, right? And I, I know this isn't the Kaiji episode, but just because, you know, if I'm not mistaken, this is this is Bish and I's only experience with other gambling shows. And let's be real, I think Kaiji is kind of like a, a standard against which all others in the genre are compared to. Mm. Um, Honestly, I would say it's Akagi. Yeah, I would say Akagi as well, because Akagi came before Kaiji, but... Yeah. Okay, alright, my bad, oh, my bad. I, t- I retract my statement and I apologize yeah, to the fandom better. of Akagi. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I was worried at first, because I was like, man, at least in Kaiji, you know, you really feel for the main character, even though, you know, like... You don't have to be in debt or anything, but he's an average Joe who just ends up in a really fucking shitty situation, right? Whereas, honestly, with Jebami, she's already, like, you know, a hot shot gambler, right? She's a cut above rest. She's kind of overpowered in the beginning. You're not sure whether she's going to be a Mary Sue, right? So it's like, there's that disconnect, right? Again, the scenario of, of the show is great and all, but because it's so crazy at the same time, you have a hard time relating to a lot of the shit that goes on, right? You're not some rich kid who has, like, a shit ton of money to gamble. You don't really know much about gambling in the first place for anything like me, right? So, uh, that was one worry that I had at the beginning. If I had to summarize my first couple episodes with, like, with Kakugurui, I would say, I would call it pure chaos. Because, I mean, it kind of, like, Yumiko... 100% embodies like the foundations of what chaos is it's like that sense of unpredictability like the idea that like it could change at any moment and you wouldn't be able to prepare for it like it just throws everything off balance just because she has a certain mindset to it and honestly it was very attractive oh <laughs> he doesn't mean like what? that kevin Jebami? <laughs> i i mean the thing is, like, the fact that she was able to go, like, to face pretty much everything with, like, with, with such an animated approach to it, with, with such with, with such a, I mean, I don't want to call it crazy, because really it's just kind of how her personality, her tendencies, like, are tapping into this, like, primitive type of behavior that also seems very logical in some cases. And there's something about that that I just can't help but feel, like, attracted to because it's like there's something kind of inspiring in all that if that makes sense like there's something kind of beautiful in all that and it just it kind of solidified the rest of like those first couple episodes for me like especially when she was going like when she was meeting uh what was his name ryota he was meeting ryota uh, she was meeting uh, mary like seeing how she like goes between like somebody who's very caring because you can tell that she cares about people she isn't like inhuman it's just like you. It's just when you see her in a gambling situation, you can see how how much pleasure she derives from it. 
And I think pleasure is honestly a big focus on that. But we'll, I said actually, actually, that's a very good way to, to go into the story, the story segment of this, because I really I was really attracted by this idea of getting pleasure from from gambling, from like these interactions throughout just throughout this entire season. So I want to know maybe your thoughts on the story and like the themes it used, like not just pleasure, just anything. Okay, I think it's quite interesting because you guys are talking very highly about the show, but then the first thing that came up to me was that it just didn't seem like I don't want to compare it to Kaiji in that sense, but it just didn't. <laughs> it didn't seem like. Look, uh, look, I'll be honest with you. It just didn't seem very interesting and I, I really want to talk about my favorite episodes and things like that because the way that this show is organized right is that there is one gambling game per episode rarely sometimes you get a two-part episode if if it is really tense but we don't see like a four episode you know arc based on one game right so you tend to find out what's the solution to the game towards the end of, of one episode and i just want to talk about my favorites because there is a lot of them and the one thing that came comes to mind is the fucked up russian roulette type e-card game if that makes sense oh. i like that that was my oh, favorite yeah, one. i love that and the reason why that is is because there is a real risk there is a, a, a real risk their lives are on the line and it, it was just like yes this is like the kaiji shit i was i was looking for because the <laughs> other games right okay there's money and then you're being a house pet and at worst, the worst the worst scenario you can be put in is obviously life plan, right? Where you marry a rich like aristocrat or whatever. That's the worst case scenario. But even then, if you think about it, like culturally in Japan or even in other other countries, right? These things already happen on a daily basis, like arranged marriages and things for business purposes. Like that that happens. So it's it's not necessarily as shocking as losing someone's life, especially in the game of Russian roulette. And I enjoyed that because it, it was just weird because at first it's like shit he doesn't know what's going on like he only figures it out towards the end right that shit okay i'm going to be playing the cards like this but he could have easily not have done that i think though that there are some issues within that episode particularly i know it is my favorite episode but there is some issues like the whole lipstick thing in the in the in the chamber like how how are we supposed to know we didn't see that we may have seen her apply some lipstick on her lips but it's like where is can the connection be like how am i supposed to believe that I know this is how I saw it. It's it's kind of it's supposed to be an example of what the show does actively. It's it's cert, like making certain uh, like very subtle adjustments without people noticing. Yeah, but it seems like a dare it, It's not even noticing. I don't think you, you can notice that. Again, that's the difference between between Kaiji and this is that Kaiji at least you can they give they drop hints right. You can follow along a bit. Whereas this, it's like, oh, they, they reveal it to you and you had no way of knowing No, I, I completely understand I think... that. And the, the, the thing is with this anime as well, because you see it in other episodes, you see it with the Culture Club, right? Um, with the badger at the bottom. You know, like when they, when they have the whole floorboards thing? Like, that makes sense because they are telling you the history of gambling. They explain to you this is the history of, of how people cheat in certain games of chance. And I completely get that because it's it's related to some form of history. But the whole lipstick thing, it just felt like a Deus Ex Machina f for me personally. Because just like, how the hell? Like, and am I am I supposed to believe that a barrel would do that? Do you see what I mean? Like barrel of a gun. If you if you jammed it, wouldn't it just implode? Well, it wasn't jammed. I think it was just marked. No, I think she jammed it because she said yeah, even, she, she, she jammed it with her lipstick. She jammed so it with the lipstick. Or so it was just like, oh, okay, I get that. But it's like, why why do that? It's another thing because it kind of goes into this whole idea that I have with the show was that before uh, every episode it felt like well She's going in winning 
right? She's always going to win because she's, first of all, she's the main character. And part of me wanted to believe that she might die in this episode. Do you see what I mean? Because a, a game of Russian roulette is a game you can't control. At least, you well, know, uh, actually, I, I, I choose I to believe that, that, you know, because no, I mean, there's like some influence in it. Like, I mean, it's not like. I mean, Hold still, it, it's a true game of chance because at the end of the day, you see it with the girl when she's in the toilet playing by herself, right? She had a 50-50 chance. Well, not even a 50-50 chance. It was like one in six chance of dying. So it's it's a true game of chance. You can't necessarily cheat. And when I saw the whole lipstick thing, I was just like, oh, is this what can, we're doing though. now? I think in a game of Russian we roulette. Did we we, because they're not playing just Russian roulette, though, right? The whole thing was set up by her so that she would die. Right. Yeah, true, but at the same time, there is still, even even if it's rigged, there is still a chance of winning, if that makes sense, because not all the bullets are in the chamber. So well, there's yeah. still, I mean, even I mean, if it's all, a slim all, chance. All the games have that, though, right? Even the uh, Culture Club, um, the one with like, the swords and whatnot, that is purely chance, right? Or it's supposed to be, but you no, know, and then they rig it so that, you know, that, again, the yeah, with, wins with the Yeah, with the magnets. Yeah, so for, for me, what I got out of the show was that, you know, there is no such thing as a pure, fair game of chance. The house will always win, right? No, I, I think it kind of goes a little bit more into the whole themes and stuff, but I'll get that into a little bit later. But that was my favorite episodes. I think another one was, I'm trying to remember, I think it was episode four, was it? Was the one where they're oh, doing the... is it the Indian poker? The two-card yes. Indian poker to exchange their debts. That was a great episode. But only because they were working together and I like that. But at the same time, what I enjoyed about it was you got a little bit of backstory because it, obviously the episode starts with, I think it's either the, that episode starts like that or the episode previous, right? Where Yumiko is stripping, basically. For all intents and purposes, I think they were going to sexually assault her. Oh, no, they were, re they were, that was the whole, that was the whole idea. Yeah. Like that was like, it was like, it was supposed to paint the picture of like, okay, this is how, this is what being a house pet means. Like, it's like, you just give in to the higher ups. It, exactly. So, and it kind of, made it a bit more meaningful because before that okay house pet what do you do you clean you know you get a verbally abused you get bullied but then that whole bringing that element into it made it feel a lot more real but when i saw that it made it a lot real to me and then obviously when i see in episode four when that guy basically is there betting against mary and um what's his name his name is jun i think so jun is going against mary and uh yumiko right and they're teaming together to basically fuck him over and they've managed to get uh nanami on board as well and i'm like shit and i like when i saw nanami's story i felt really upset right because not only was she being sexually abused but you know she was being humiliated she got her hair cut and stuff and i was just like that, that episode i think that was my favorite episode actually because, like, when you mentioned it, I feel really inclined to talk about it. Because it's, like, there's something that was so... Like, it was the moment in the show where I felt my heart drop the most. Because, like, we see like we see her just, like, with fish eyes throughout pretty much the entire game. And then hearing about her backstory while, while Yumiko was trying to, like, quote-unquote encourage her. Like, now that... There's just something about that where it's, like, you have the okay so i was actually talking with this is a little off topic i was talking with a friend the other day about like about christopher nolan films because like what they what he likes to do like i watched inception recently so like what he likes to do is he likes to take multiple moments 
Like, it likes to take two moments or more and make them all happen at once in order to create one thing that's impactful. So, what reason I'm saying that is because this episode did something similar, in my opinion. It, it had, there was like Yumiko's craziness mixed with, mixed with the Nami's like, like revelations, like her, like her looking back on her past and being really scared. And then her having to make a decision up front because she needs to decide if she's gonna, like, if she's gonna call, if she's gonna fold. And, and that was just because, and if anything, that made her backstory a lot more important to me. Because that was, like, in the end, that was the, like, the breaking point that, that made her decide what she wanted to do. What was very interesting to me was that even though, because I'm not sure if you guys know this, but obviously Jun ends up in, you know, being a house pet, even though he, he put in a fake bet of 10 million, right? And he ends up getting 310 million in debt, which is, I think it's around 300,000. No, it's not, is it? No, it's about it's three, more. It's three yeah. million US dollars. Yeah. Mary, obviously, her debt is cleared at that point. And you see Nanami. Nanami's debt isn't cleared. She still ends up with 10 million in debt, and which is the same amount of debt that she had to begin with. But she comes out of it with more than what she started, right? Because she's given this new sense of freedom and self-esteem. And she grows as a character, even though technically this is the, you only see her for like one episode. But you see a lot of character development within that one episode. And that's why I love it so much. Because, you know, you could remove that episode and then she would be basically... It wouldn't matter, right? Because all of her, her stuff is in this one episode. But I felt it was more impactful. Because also we saw more of, of Yumiko, right? Because Yumiko could have fucked them both over. And they could have got both of their debts cleared, but she didn't. Or at least she could have ended up with 10 million in debt and basically fucked the both of them. But she didn't do that. She kind of had compassion. So when I said before, like, I thought that Yumiko is a demon, and they do say this within the episode, she looks like a demon. At the same time, she has compassion. And I really want to get this within episodes because I kind of see some sort of uh, comparison to other types of um, organizations in Japan. But we'll get into that a little bit more. But those are my favorite episodes. And obviously, Joe, you mentioned a little bit about why this episode is your favorite. But Kevin, what episode is your favorite, would you say? or one of? Well, I mean, favorites? I can't really say anything else hasn't already been said because episode four and five i think are probably tied honestly for my favorite favorite arcs because you know this is the first time actually four and five where you get a match that finally doesn't just end in one game right in one episode and i, I think that it's really rewarding because again it's not just yumiko and you know the adversary you actually get as you guys said a side character right and you see them grow and change right and furthermore it's not just team yumiko anymore right She's not alone. Now she's got um, Mary on her side, right? So just seeing this dynamic change, right? Where before it was just Yumiko as like this form like one episode format. Seeing that change so that, you know, there's Mary in the picture now. She's on the same team. Seeing the, these new interesting side characters being thrown into the mix was very interesting. And I gotta say, um, out, of the, out of the entire show, I think that my twist in this episode for me was just insane it was I, I never saw it coming in a million years right i didn't see the other ones coming either but i, I found the other ones were kind of like okay yeah whatever like this was That's an unbelievable well, twist yeah well there was something yeah. very self-contained about yeah. that that episode with how like it was everything just kind of went smoothly with how like you had mary and yumiko just playing like in a certain way acting in in their like like their specific mannerisms 
and you have that that arc with Nanami, and then at the end when you find out, like, okay, like this, there was like this plan, like, exactly. since the very beginning, like it's like every like there was some sense with all of it, like there was something that was properly like set up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the entire point, right? I find that the twist was really satisfying. It was shocking to see, you know, the, these characters that were just like you know enemies a few episodes ago work together and come up with like this ingenious plan right it was so gratifying to see june get you know what he deserved no you have no idea how happy i was like i legit got out of my seat i'm like yes it yes. was kind of like the kamashita type situation in persona 5 like that's that was the kind of feeling that i got from it and that's exactly <laughs> what it is honestly because you have somebody who's just who's mad shitty with power yeah yeah, and he's like he's just doing everything to like to just get what he wants, like to satiate his desires, mm. and like like and he does that until the very end too. Like you see him trying, like almost assaulting Mary because he just gets so pissed, but then he gets tasered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was another thing that I enjoyed within the episode because I was like, yeah, fuck you, just get out of here, you know. But yeah, episode four and five definitely a highlight for me. But the other one that I really liked, honestly, uh, I don't know if you can remember, but episode nine. And that was against the council, a student council president, or not president, but the uh, the idol role. It was Yumemite, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I recall, uh, that started with episode eight? That was, uh, it started with episode, sorry, the, the, the challenge came in episode eight, but the actual game itself came in episode nine. And after, after that, there was the poker game against the treasure in episode 10. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, so it's kind of like a two, three episode arc, sort of. But uh, specifically, you know, I, I love the game that's treasure in the following episode, right? Manyuda. That's also one of my favorite episodes. But uh, for the Gambit against Yumimite specifically, I really liked it. Why? Because it's going to sound really lying. But if I'm not mistaken, not the music, but <laughs> the, the reason why I liked it so much is that if I'm not mistaken, in the other episodes, right, Yumiko always outplayed all of her opponents. That's right? correct. So yes. like she she had this plan in mind and she just outsmarted all of them, right? She seemed kind of overpowered, kind of Invincible. untouchable in a way. Yeah, exactly. Here she still wins, but it is the first time, if not mistaken, that she wins purely because of luck and arrogance. The only reason Yumite lost this she should have won she could have won if she wanted to was because she allowed uh yumiko to get two wins right and she got she got a bit arrogant and yumiko won out of pure luck and for me that was really great right even though you know just all oh, i know having luck isn't necessarily as exciting as you know seeing the the crazy strategies that she forms in her head for once seeing that you know hey they aren't always it's not just about skill right it kind of comments on the the nature of game right even if you're a good player skill isn't always enough to win right it's, oh no, that's exactly it's... what gambling is it's like you can have you can like when it comes to gambling an aim is to try to have as much control as possible but exactly in the end you're still kind of a you're still kind of restricted to the sense of luck because it's like it's, it's about what what the next draw is going to be what what your hand's gonna be and you can manipulate that somehow but you only have so many ways to do so exactly and seeing that entire episode you know just being up in the air about luck for me it was a huge change of pace right because you're like oh fuck so contrary to the other episodes she wasn't guaranteed to win she was slated to lose but because of you know just sheer luck and you know this hubris from Yumita, she was able to, to pull out a victory Right? That shows you know, the other side of, of gambling that wasn't 
you know, really uh, commented on in, in the other episodes, right? Right. Like, there's actually a quote that from that episode that I really liked. That that I think that that really encapsulated what I felt, and I imagine what you felt as well. Like it's so I wrote it down in my notes. So it's either take the safe route or strive for the summit by risking destruction. It was set up in a way where it, like it built up to this one quote, and it was that one quote that instigated uh, I I, for, I forget her name, uh, Sumeragi to to essentially put her life on the line. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what she did. Yeah, it's episode ten. Yeah, so the one right after against Manuda, it was like the it was the do or die moment. So like everything was that was the the boiling point of uh, the last arc of the show honestly and it was great I, I like episode nine so much because it leads so smoothly into episode ten against Manuda another great fight and here I find that it's my one of my favorite matches also because again it's not like the ones you saw at the beginning of the season here Yumiko actually loses for once right and it's not because oh they were cheating against or anything Manuda if you think about it. He beat Yumiko fair and square, right? He beat Manu he beat Yumiko just out of pure skill, right? He was able to, you know, like take the risks into into consideration and stuff. And the great thing about that match is that they he explains his thought processes, right? So he's like, oh fuck, Yumiko discarded, you know, like two cards. What does that mean, right? And they explain it. So you're actually able to keep up. Whereas in the other episodes, like I'm not into gambling. I don't know much about gambling, right? So like whenever a character does something, I don't necessarily understand why they do it or the impact of it. Right? But here they kind of walk you through his psyche, right? The way he plays, you know, the high road or whatever. So it allows you to follow along with him and see just how how complex the, the mind games are when it comes to gambling. When you mentioned him, right, the first thing that came to my mind when watching the show was the fact that he looks like Keta from God Only Knows. And he does also does the same things, right? He is very calculating, right? Kind of like mm. a Ray from Free. You know what? I think it's just the trope of the glasses, right? Any any, any yeah. anime character has glasses. He's, he's kind of like, a, he's a stereotype, like, you know, uh, asshole nerd character. Yeah. yeah, he looks like a walking trope. And yet he's actually like one of the scariest people in the show it's actually the, really funny the, the thing thing is is because he knows what he's doing right he goes into it knowing what to do what the move is how to pressure someone and it was all the more scare not scary but all the more shocking when he was defeated right but that being said do you guys have any other like favorite moments or anything like that because i'm I'm so excited to go into the themes of the show because yeah, that's, that, that, that's, that's all you can, I you can to say. finally talk yeah, about that, that, that's pretty yeah that's pretty much it on my end because I mean, I, I'm really excited to talk about the themes as well because I mean, I have a whole bunch of notes on that. Primarily with the with how they, the show just approaches gambling in general, where it's just very neutral in a lot of ways, where it's like it doesn't favor winning or losing. Gambling isn't just an act; it's some kind of spirit, it's some kind of emotion, this drive, this like attractive nature. See, I I have a completely different opinion from you and I'm gonna to get to that now. The show kind of tackles the theme of gambling very well but in for my personal opinion looking at shows like Kaiji or Akagi I feel that they do it better and the reason why that is is because this show focuses mainly on Yumiko right? She's the main person that's doing the gambling which makes sense because she is one of the main characters in the show and 
I feel as if, but never did I feel that Yumiko was going to lose going into it because she is the main character. Some sort of main character syndrome, right? The main character never dies. The main character never loses. Or even if they do lose, it doesn't really make much of a difference to Yumiko because that's how she is as a character. She only plays for the thrill of it, right? So even she's happy if she loses because she gets a thrill out of it. She's happy if she wins because she gets a thrill out of it. So she doesn't really care about the money in reality because she has so much of it right and the anime doesn't really explain that to you it's they they just offhand say oh she has a lot of money and her sister's in hospital uh, stuff like that okay i get it like for me that's probably stuff that's going to be explored more in a second season so i understand why that's not necessarily explored here as as it is now but there is no real fear of losing with kaiji there was a fear there was that fear that was you know the sawa, sawa, sawa. you know that bit kind of <laughs> it scares it scares the shit out of you right kaiji lost his fingers kaiji was gonna you know was gonna lose his ear that kind of stuff he his life was on the line and that's why my the only episodes where i felt you know that shit there's something really on the line here is the episode where she's playing the russian roulette game but even then because she you know that game that episode was like what episode that was an early episode right that wasn't even towards the end but the fact that you look at the episode and you know it's 12 episodes long and you know that there's a second season even if i didn't know that there was a second season I went into that episode knowing that Yumiko was going to live. Not even that, look, she could have lost it, fair enough, but I knew that she was going to win only because that there was a certain number of episodes left, right? So there's an issue with pacing there. And like I said, the stakes are high, but at this point, they're somewhat meaningless because nothing really happens to these characters, right? Uh, if you look at uh, the idol, I forgot her name now. What was her name? Yume Mite, right? If you look at her, you know, what, what was the risk, right? You ought to, oh, whoa. I think you literally could not have chosen a worse example in the entire, like I was expecting you to, to, to use that as a counter example. Wait, wow. wait, I, I didn't actually, kidding? I didn't hear that. What do you say? Bish said that Yumemite, he was questioning, like, you know, what what did she have to lose? No, no, no. Honestly, I was gonna, I was gonna say that I haven't finished yet. So what I was gonna say with Yumemite, right, is okay. She loses her career. She loses a lot of the her fans. But even then, when it was revealed, she didn't really lose anything. In fact, her fans were more happy. You know, they're a bunch of simps, well, I mean, that and they were like, oh my god. Lose. It just meant in the end, what she thought she was gonna lose wasn't actually lost. Yeah, but that was a bit shitty. And even though, you know, when we see with, um, well, I forgot his name, the school council uh, treasurer, right? I forgot his name. Manuda. Right? Manuda, right? You saw him, and he had a uh, probably had a brain aneurysm or a heart attack or something. And I was like, shit, that guy's gonna die. Like, there is no sense of impending doom. Well, I mean, it's not just about death, though. Like, there's like, it's all the little things that you can. That you I can, know, the, but like, the even, even the then, to me, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's not like it doesn't make any sense, but it just doesn't feel, you know, it doesn't feel as important. Like, you look at Kaiji, and when you see Kaiji loses a lot, for the most part, but his when he loses the matches, he learns from them. I'm not saying that Yumiko doesn't, but I'm just saying it kind of there is consequences to him losing. And Yumiko doesn't lose at all, and she doesn't get any consequences because she, even if she does, she doesn't really give a fuck about the consequences. I don't find you know myself a, a rooting for our opponents or even rooting for her because the show kind of paints those opponents as like evil people and really bad people and they've got like really fucked up you know um motives behind them so i don't root for them and i don't root for yumiko and i think there has to be someone at least in a gambling anime you, there has to be someone that you root for and the only episode that i feel that i really rooted for someone was in episode four you know where uh, nanami i rooted for her because i genuinely felt that she got the the shitty end of the stick like you actually saw the consequences of her being a house pet you didn't necessarily see that with Yumiko, right? Or even with Mary. 
okay, Mary got bullied well, a little I bit mean, from like, her friends. The thing but is, like, does it? Do we need to have like a good ending though? When it comes I'm not to saying we need a good ending. I'm not saying about the ending. Like, I'm just saying even then, Joe. If you even look at the ending of the show, okay, one of them was gonna, you know, either leave this it was like a match where one of them leaves the school and it ended up in a draw and i was like okay well that's because yeah, there's so gonna be a second season well, there's just like no there aren't any consequences there are no real stakes of any exactly kind. and i think that's that's the issue with the show like i'm not saying it's a bad show i love this show it's just i didn't feel that sort of you know that that sort Couple of butterflies in my in, exactly i didn't feel that I, personally i would say that the fact that yumiko doesn't really like isn't really in any danger gives the show a very interesting weapon and like i'll explain i'll explain why okay so because as we go through like this is something i want to talk about like ever like since we started even though she's a house pet she's showing and confirmed time and time again that that she can she can get out of that situation easily she chooses to be a house pet and like as you can see like that really it really drives her to, like it, it gives her the opportunities that a lot of people like i mean they kind of take a lot of people off guard like like for example like she wants to be like she's taking the abuse because she wants the opportunities to fight the student council what it does in that case it eliminates the idea that that yumiko has something to lose which i mean that's that kind of, it's kind of like a mixed bag to begin with like it's a, like it's a little like weird to think about but in turn it enhances the the story going forward because then you have like you throughout the rest of the show you have the student council wondering like like she like she comes from this certain like this background like she she's definitely capable of paying off her debts but why isn't she doing that but that's the thing we never get revealed well, that, exactly like that i mean I, I like that it's that sense of mystery to me i think like, that's what, shitty what's... storytelling because it, it to me it just seems like yeah. they're trying to sell a second season it, it's kind of like a, a bait and switch where it's like oh you'll, you'll just have to find out in s2 right like, I, don't know, I, I, I don't know i didn't really think that it was just more like it's like i just really like the mystery in and of itself like i wasn't really thinking about how it would lead into like a second season i wasn't thinking about okay like are they gonna reveal this in season two i was thinking more just like i like like what they have there just that sense of mystery that makes the student council wary of her because that drives their motivations to go against her to think about her every move like that drives their actions i, I can see what you're trying to say but i still don't see how this what this has to do with Bish's point. I think that point still stands, right? And, oh, maybe if we're going to, you know, springboard off what Bish said, okay, even if, you know, this mystery about her and, you know, the fact that uh, she comes from, like, a wealthy family and she's able to pay off that it doesn't, doesn't because of some mysterious reasons and that causes the student council to pit itself against her, what's going to happen? What, what are the consequences that she's going to live of have by, by having the student council against her? As Bish said, like the, the stakes are going to be played up over and over. Right? The, the stakes just keep on climbing, but the, the actual consequences are nil, right? As, as we've seen throughout the show. That like yeah, well, I mean, like my point is like it wasn't meant to be a counter argument. It's just I was just trying to see like I was trying to explain like you know this is a way like this is why they used it like i was trying to analyze why they why they did it in this way and like i was thinking like, i i thought of it as like okay they used it to to help benefit this story element see i get that joe and it makes sense that okay i, I understand why she she doesn't want to lose her fact of being the house but because she ultimately wants to challenge the city the student council president in terms of a gamble but at the same time it's like okay where like why 
Like, what's her motivation? Because they were asking, oh, do you want to be the head of the council? But she didn't say yes and she didn't say no. So what is her true motivation here? That's not clear. And I think we needed to know that. Well, I mean, it is, it's, it is and it isn't because like, because as we've shown over, like, remember how I described the first couple episodes, how I described it as pure chaos. Like there's, like, there's a method to like, to the madness here. Like there's like the reason why she wants to fight the student council president ties directly into, into Yumiko's mentality or personality. Like really, she wants to have that like sense of like of just gambling in general with somebody who's supposed to be like the top brass. I just pull Yumiko's character discussion out of that part of the show, and let's talk about it right now because I think this is like the time to talk about it since you you brought it up. All right, you talked about Yumiko's personality. What is Yumiko's personality? For me, it's as you said, it's chaos. It's just crazy, right? Perhaps that's you know inter interesting to see in a character, right? Fair enough. But, arguably, is is pure chaos something you want to see in a storyline? You want to be able to have a structured storyline to not have the ending revealed to you, but at least have a sense of where it's headed, right? Instead of being, oh, that too bad, screw your questions, it's going to be revealed in season two, right? I kind of, I can see what Bish is getting at here. It is, it is frustrating when it feels like the entire, you know, Yumiko's entire character is just a cop tease for season two. Right? Not having any answers is kind of frustrating, right? Because And it's not just with Yumiko, it's with the rest of the characters, even the school council president. You know, you saw that clip of her going to visit her, I don't know if it was her family or whatnot. And I was like, okay, so then who's the girl with the mask? Like, it, it just creates a lot of plot holes that I feel would be answered in a second season. It, it, there is nothing that kind of hints towards it being answered in this season. I won't spoil too much. Well, I haven't watched the second season either, but I've went on the wiki and stuff, and um, those answers are given in season two. So they feel like plot holes right now, but uh, we'll talk about this later. But I think that maybe maybe you'd be less pissed, Bish, if we covered seasons one and two together. Yeah, that would I think that would have made a, a lot of sense for me if it was 24 episodes, if, if that. Because usually when I say that, I, I usually say, oh, it's an issue about pacing, but in this case, it's just where the plot is going. I think it would have made more sense if they combined the seasons. Your your point reminds me a lot, actually, now I think about it, reminds me a lot of when we covered Black Lagoon. We were like, maybe this should have been one 24-episode season with a break in between. Because, yeah, now you're left at the end. You have so many questions about these characters, right? And let's be real, throughout the entire show, you don't learn that much about the main characters. You don't learn that much about Miko. You're just kind of teased, right? You don't know anything about Ryota, right? Because he, he's just blind and fucking pointless. You learn more about Nanami than most of the main characters, I'd say. The, the problem is, if it was a 24-episode season, at least what you wait, I think, it's what, like a month or two months or whatever, between the two halves, it's it's manageable, right? But here, it's like, okay, you're left at the end of episode 12 with like blue balls, you know, like, fuck. <laughs> um, what do I... <laughs> For me, as as characters go, right, because you mentioned a little bit about Yumiko as a character, initially when I saw Yumiko, I was scared. And I said this initially at the beginning, right? And the reason why is because she came out of nowhere and because there was a couple of reasons. Her eyes just scared the shit out of me, right? She's known as Akuma, right? She's Akuma, which means a demon. But I see that in her. I see that she is a demon. She gives no shits. All she cares is 
the thrill of gambling she she does it for the heck of it right and even if people lose she does not care for compassion but some characters you see she has compassion on right uh, like nanami like other characters right uh, even like yume mite right she's she's compassionate towards those characters even though she is kind of like evil in a way i, I kind of got that feeling when she was introduced and hearing her name in general because i didn't expect her name to be yumiko but yumiko ko means child in japanese and yume means dream so effectively dream child and the the kind of stuff that she does can only be done in a dream right that's how i see it i don't want to get too deep into it but her existence as a character and i don't want to say she's a mary sue but she kind of has those elements just because okay just because and i know you're gonna i'm no kevin you specifically are gonna say no she isn't but because she has those elements of just being perfect I and mean, you know what i mean like mm-hmm. she always wins and even if she doesn't she's just there you know she's just th- always there but it's it's weird and i think even in the name even the name itself yumeko because when they just said in the show and you might have he- heard it from other people oh that's not a common name you know that's that's a weird name and it isn't it's it's an odd name in japanese and it's not commonly new and i didn't know what to think of yumeko because she is the devil she's satan herself right she drives people into madness Damn. yet at the same time she does it for their benefit and i question myself a lot what has yumiko seen in her life so that she becomes like this i often like i said i i often leave wanting more to know about yumiko it's like what kind of character like where's her backstory who is yumiko where is your backstory that that i think that quote sums up a lot of her character it's like they, they they give us a lot of tease right there's there's no there's no payoff to it right it's like fuck give me some answers right you gotta give me something to to work with him it's like the things you guys are feeling i didn't feel that at all because as you mentioned before kevin like it's like do you, like you asked me it's like do do i want like do i really want pure chaos in a story like this because i'm not gonna get like certain answers and my answer to that is actually it's actually yes not because of of what she describes specifically but because it's like because i still felt i was getting some kind of answers to certain things like once again like there was a method to the madness in my opinion but what, what, what is this method though I, I, you keep on saying that method to the madness what is this method well i mean it was meant to, i mean i don't really know the method itself my point was more like there's like a bit of order in that chaos like it's like there's like some logic to it yeah but you don't know what that logic is exactly you don't know what the goal is like for me if you if you don't know what the character's aspirations are what their end the end game is right then it it's hard to relate to them and again as i said my first impression is already looking at the characters that are introduced right i was already kind of afraid because i was like i don't know kevin do you think you relate to yumiko that's exactly the thing, though. It's like you, you can't relate to them, right? And on top of that, because, you know, if you're going to have a scenario where it's wholly unrelatable to the average Joe who's going to watch this and you have these crazy characters. I wouldn't recommend this kind of show for, like, for an average Joe, like, in my humble opinion. Like, this is, like, one of those, like... You, you can't be like, oh, this this show is <laughs> reserved for gambling experts only. Like, I'm sorry, you can't do that. Like, that's That's just... Especially how Netflix suggests this show to everyone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, like, I I think the whole point trying to... I I feel bad. I feel offended by that question. (laughs) Uh, By the freaking... It's like, like we're not looking to... Like, it's not for gambling experts. I'm like, no fucking way, dude. Like, no no way. Like, this show is crazy. I I feel kind of pretentious to be like, oh, this isn't meant for you. (laughs) You know? Like, what the hell kind of attitude is that? No, no. It's not... I meant more like it's not a beginner friend. It's not beginner friendly. That's how I feel. 
Okay, m maybe not, but even even then, I, I can think of other beginner-friendly shows that, that give you more information and background about your main character, right? As I was saying before, if your main character is going to be this unrelatable to the average viewer, if they're going to be this mysterious to the average viewer, you have, in my opinion, some form of obligation as a writer to give a bit of payoff. Can't just, again, be all tease and, you know, not give any sort of reward to the viewer. Like, you're, you're keeping us at the edge of our seats about something, but then... There's no payoff to it? Like, what? I don't know. I, I kind of, like, the fun factor for me was, like, the payoff in and of itself for me. Like, But there is no, that's my point, there is no payoff. There's nothing, at the, at the end of the season, you're like, okay, well, uh, I guess she stays in school and uh, you still never find out, you know, why she's visiting her sister, why is her, why is her sister in the hospital. You have all these questions that are left unanswered, right? And you may be like, oh, okay, Kevin, in other shows, you're not, you don't get all the, the answers to your questions at the end. Fair enough, but what I'm saying here is that you, you barely get any answers, period. And I think that's why we got really excited for the second season, right? Because as soon as we watched this, I, I was speaking to Kevin, I was like, Kevin, we can't watch season two until we record the episode. <laughs> that, that's the thing. I wanted it to watch season sense. two right away, but we couldn't, right? Obviously, yeah. you know, this may not be the case for, you know, people who are watching it on Netflix now, but um, obviously... I I think, Kevin, part of me understands why the, the show is, is kind of structured like this. I think it has something to do with Netflix because a lot of the way they, they structure shows on Netflix and a series of anime doesn't tend to be more than 12 episodes or they will kind of split it themselves into a second season and we've seen that with other shows in the past on Netflix so I think that might be the case. It might have been commissioned that way because this is a Netflix original at the end of the day. It might have been commissioned that way to suit the bingeability of Netflix, if that makes sense. Like, if I were to, like, put it in a certain way, it, I guess in terms of, like, did I get any kind of, like, reward for it? Personally, I felt I did for, for a number of reasons. But that's, when I say that, I say it's, like, as it currently stands. Because, like, I mean, of course I'm, like, of course I'm disappointed I didn't learn as much, like, a lot about, like, the, the backstory that was teased for us. But at the same time... I really like that because of that. Like, they enable us to focus more on the mysterious nature of her. Because it's kind of like a byproduct of holding back certain information for this series of episodes. I think we can all agree, all three of us, that they made a lot, they created a lot of mystery surrounding Mimiko. That's, I don't think that's the point of the debate. It's yeah. More so, was there sufficient payoff for all of that mystery? I'm saying like that that mystery and stuff for me was the payoff. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I like that miss like I liked seeing that kind of character through like throughout it because I mean with what we had, they were they were able to give us something that, that stood out, that still made the show like appealing to watch, that made it like engaging and like it, it kept me like it, it did its job of like asking me like like telling me like this is like me of making me say, you know, it goes a very interesting character because she has so much mystery to her and like when this ends there's still a lot of mystery to her and like i didn't even think about a second season in that regard i was just thinking it's like it's like i wonder like i wonder where her past was like just on its own so like it's like the second season is kind of like a bonus for me if that makes, okay. if that makes I, sense i completely get that i think to me what what kind of really made me dip more into the whole second season idea is that it just seemed a bit odd her existence in the show because it seemed odd that she didn't know or she seemingly didn't know, you know, the system of the school. Yet at the same time, she's carrying 10 million yen in a suitcase, cash. 
Like, I find that very hard to believe. And it makes me think, okay, see, she knows more than what she's putting on. And at the same time, suddenly the student body president mentions a bit about her and her past. It just leaves me wanting more. I think, in general, all the characters in the show tend to be like that. The rest of them, I mean, Yumiko is only a very interesting character to me, but the rest of them seem like tropes. And I know they're designed to be like that, but it kind of reminds me of Kill a Kill, right? Where you have your student body president, you know, you have their underlings and you have to defeat them to get to where you want to go to. So the, the, the show has this hierarchy with their characters and it kind of makes them feel like okay they're, they're like a one and done situation because we don't hear any more of the cultural club head of the cultural club after her episode right or any other characters for that matter and then there's other characters that i hinted in you know that lolita character she's like there for a little bit and then you see the girl with the mask she's there and it's like okay so these are the characters that we're gonna see them fight and that's how the show is gonna work it's kind of predictable in that sense it's kind of like a monster of the week show it, it kind of makes the characters feel a little bit cheap because of the structure of the show uh, it, it, i think the the best analogy i could make and keep in mind here despite all of this criticism of the show I, I really like it it's just the best knowledge i can make for the show is that it feels a lot like uh, i don't know if you guys have seen it but you know the hobbit right how they took one book and they fucking divided into like three two and a half hour movies yeah this is like the, the same complaints that people had for that you know it's like all this build up and then all of a sudden you just like you just stop it and you're just left with blue balls and you're like hang on that, that that's it you know, like there, it doesn't feel logical to just end it there, right? And I'm looking at the uh, the Wikipedia page for the the show, and the first season ended in September 2017, so it was from July to September 2017. And the second season was aired in January uh, to 2019. March 2019. That's over. That's over a year, guys. Like, well, yeah, that's two years. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's insane. You know, having all these questions for that long. I don't know whether that was the, the right move to make. Oh, wait, 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 you mean the first season? Yeah, there was a, over a year gap between two seasons. Two years gap for a season, second season to come out. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, that's, it's, that's... I know, it's, it, you know what, Kevin, I think there's another thing that I wanted to mention before I end up my end all of the thing that I want to say about characters. It's different from the point that you were saying, but to me, I kind of saw it as the Yakuza right it just felt very gang oriented at first i was like oh okay this is just high school and shit but the whole student student body president right and the whole themes of like sexual assault that occurs and stuff like you know if you lose you're going to be my what was it the, the house pets right that's basically like slavery right so it, it just seems like shady shit that the yakuza do and it's all controlled by this one kingpin which is basically oh. the, the, the student body president, right? That's that's interesting. That is an interesting way of looking at it, yeah. Um, but that aside, I, th I think what was very interesting to me, once again about that Yakuza point, is that it, it's scary and sadistic when you think about it. And it kind of makes sense because gangs are often related to illegal and underground gambling, especially with stuff like, you know, Russian roulette and the life plans and, you know, pulling out the fingers. As soon as I saw the, the pulling out the, the fingernails, I was like, shit, this is some Yakuza as a shit right here or the fact that one of the girls with the eye patch I forgot her name i can't really remember madari remember her, but yeah like so literally like the best character in that show well that, that's some yakuza shit right there like imagine losing a bet and losing your eye i was like shit this because obviously Kaiji she, she, she is took a the eye herself well. too dude that was crazy it was crazy and i think shit this is some this is some fucked up shit yeah, that was awesome 
I'm not, I don't mean to sound kind of crude. I like that kind of. I like that kind of element in stories where it's like. Yeah, uh, just okay. a, a, we interrupt the show for a quick disclaimer. Uh, Good Life Podcast, Kunai, and all of its affiliates. Uh, we do not condone uh, self mutilation or the yakuza in any way. <laughs> no, I speak purely as a writer. Do not do this at home, please. <laughs> but but that that aside, I think for me the characters themselves are not really impressive i mean but together as a team they're very interesting and i do enjoy how wacky each character tends to be uh, and how each character's gamble is associated with their character you know we, we see with um the idol it's a you know it's related to that you know the cultural uh, club right it's that sort of thing or the, the crazy girl that has like orgasms and shit for gambling you know it's, it's a game yeah, Madari, event, so like freaking like it's, that was that was actually really like I was like that, when I saw that scene for the first time that actually took me kind of off guard. Not gonna lie. Either way, I think it's quite interesting because there isn't necessarily much character development in the show directly for the characters. Like I don't really give a fuck about the characters themselves, but their their gambles reflect on the characters. So you kind of learn more about the characters a little bit through the games that they're playing in in their gambles, right? So which I enjoyed. It was a very odd form of character development. Obviously not as great as just having proper character development, but I did appreciate it. It's very interesting that you mentioned the Yakuza angle, because now that you mention it, yeah, it really is a representation of the Yakuza. But for me, uh, I saw it from a slightly different angle, but I think they're kind of complementary in the sense that, you know, uh, Joe asked us to really think about the hierarchy in, in the school, right? And for me, I was just like, this, is, this isn't exactly a subtle um, take on capitalism. Right? Like Hakyao Academy, if you think about it, it is a microcosm of of Japanese capitalism. And I know I sound fucking crazy or whatever <laughs> trying to say that, but you know the the cutthroat nature of you know the competition, you know this the extreme punishments for the house pets and all that, the extremely rigid like case system. It's a case system. Let's be real, right? Where people are treated like slaves, right? Um, and oh yeah, the, money, the cast, the cast system. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where money is the only thing that talks, it uh, you know it just screams all the problems with you know the with Japanese working culture nowadays, right? It reminds me a lot in a way of Black Lagoon, right? Of Rock and how the, that show criticizes you know modern Japan's like working conditions, right? Again, where their money makes the world go, go around, right? And it's just, there, there's no, it, it's just a super rigid social system that's in place, right? And honestly, at the beginning, I, I, I considered dropping the show, right? As much as I liked it. Why? Because I, again, going back to characters, I found them, you know, they're crazy. A lot of them, like you said, Bish, they're kind of scary slash disgusting, right? They're all these like morally corrupt freaks, right? That you can't relate to at all. Oh, so, so you don't you're care. Over so you were overwhelmed to some degree not overwhelmed but i just like i don't why would i watch a show where i don't like any of the characters and i can't relate to any of the characters right so i was like why, why would i watch that and uh it clicked to me that you know <laughs> that's the entire point right these are morally reprehensible people right they're freaks and you're not supposed to to relate to someone because they kind of represent all of these extreme aspects um of you know uh, society of society in japan see right? it's it's a very interesting point it's it's just uh, it brought up another point in my mind because obviously we're talking about yakuza and how business deals work and stuff especially with life plans i've also noticed something more about yumiko because uh, let's face it yumiko is the only character in the show as opposed to the rest of them 
But um, come on, my how are you how are you gonna I'm sorry, shaft Joe. my boy Ryota? Yo, Ryota literally is not even worth worth talking about. I will not waste any more time talking about him because literally you could take him out of the show and nothing would change. How, His, the how, entire, would, you, how would you do the, the ending then? Right, you could have chosen literally anybody else. You could have gotten Waterface, Nanami. Nanami literally, I legit but, think but what, Nanami but how, would have been a better. What would Nanami contribute to that though? No, but Mary could have done it as well. What would Mary, what would Mary, what would have Mary contributed to that though? That's well, the they're thing. friends. It, that's not my point. Like, it, it doesn't matter if they're friends. Like, it's like there's a reason that this character is here for a reason. What like, do you know about Ryota? Ryota, he he makes vanilla ice cream look exotic. Okay, what do you know about damn, his backstory? Kevin, what do you know on. about his his hobbies, his passions, his dreams? You know, you know jack shit because he's not the main character of the show. Jebami is the only reason. The only reason I gotta like he's only in the show, right? Is the archetypal normal character quote unquote so that you as a viewer have something to relate to okay oh, that's yeah. literally oh my it he's he's only there to be shocked at how fucking crazy everyone else is right he's like he's disgusted by those other by this you, you know you just well. reminded me kevin you just reminded me of a point i really really wanted to bring up so i actually made a note about this and it was something that i've been debating my, with myself for who knows for like who knows how long like i personally did not think that yumiko was the main like the main main character i didn't think they were like yumiko was the eyes of the viewer she, she isn't it, that's ryota exactly like that's why i really like I, I because when you were talking about that i remember like i really wanted to delve like why i thought into why i thought that like it's like it's like you say like he he really is like somebody who's supposed to embody the viewer he, he's so, like he's the he's like, yeah he's the observer like the, the best analogy i could think of is you know how like in, in zelda right why does zelda not talk in games this is a design decision to have you step into his shoes right so in a similar vein Ryota wait 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 wait, wait did you just did you just call link zelda sorry link 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 my bad my bad my you're bad. a walking was... stereotype dude you, you sound like such a carrot my bad yeah but anyhow uh my point is uh link is a slant protagonist because you're oh, you supposed mean to zelda step into Shut up. Link <laughs> is a stop protagonist because you're supposed to step into his shoes, right? And, you know, yeah, true. feel that, you know, that he's your connection. He's your <laughs> link to that world. Right, oh, if you Kevin, will. that was bad. I'm going to take that out of the episode. That was... God damn it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Ryota is kind of the, the same thing. He does not have any notable character traits. He has, like, no background. He has no personality. Why? So that you can project yourself into him and experience the world through him that's why he 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 says at the beginning he has no talent in gambling and he's considering dropping out right he is this he's the average normal joe blow character who's surrounded by these crazy exceptional larger than life figures right and i get where they're going with that right but his entire character is a fucking plot device right when you think about the legend of zelda you don't think of link as the epitome of video game writing or of a deep character right and ryota here is just he's got literally nothing noteworthy his entire character is just there to serve the purpose of a, of a plot device and that's kind of kind of fucking boring you know like i have to strongly strongly disagree with most of that if you want to just find vanilla ice cream you go ahead look 
Well, first of all, the fact that you said vanilla ice cream is not exotic, the fact that you implied that is very offensive to me because I love vanilla ice cream. That's because maybe you're basic. It's like, he's ba a basic flavor. He's like, he's like saltine crackers, but not even like, he's not even, no, not even a saltine cracker. He's like, he's like an unsalted plain soup cracker, man. Like that shit. For the most part, I see, like, you have a lot, like, there's a lot of merit in what you're saying. However, Mm -hmm. I really felt that he had his moments, and I think that we're maybe going a little too much into absolutes. Like, for example, like, he's not a deep character by any means. He's not, like, the most interesting character either. And, and like, in a lot like, in a lot of regards, I'd even say he's one of my least favorite characters. And, but, however, to say that he's totally, like, he totally provides absolutely nothing, like, that, that I feel like that kind, that, that kind of disregards the moments that he did have like even if they were very little very minuscule whether he as a character provides very little or not doesn't really matter like in some cases and what i mean by that is like for example in the game with madari like i feel he like i felt yeah we would have went a completely well, different direction because like it's like it's like working with people it's like each person does not think in the same way each person is going to respond in a certain way and like that just like changing anything will ultimately change the dynamic and and so i felt like that scene like only ryota could have done that scene because then otherwise it would have turned out like in realistically it would have diverged in a number of different ways and the same also applies for the very end with the student council president and the tarot cards okay but yo, let's be real here so he's relevant for one part of one episode with the the russian blood game and he's relevant for about 30 seconds in the last episode, right? Well, that's my point. Like, there's still out of, a out of, fair bit of out of relevancy. twelve episodes. I think that, like, by that metric, if you want to compare how important the characters are, Mary and what what's the the girl who's the daughter of the, the card company again? Whatever, Satoshi Sumeragi. Yeah, they like directly played side by side with Yumiko more. They played against her and stuff. Whereas, you know, if you go thought, he's just there to be like, wow, oh my god, she's so amazing. She, yeah, he, he's just, he, he's kind of like an amoeba, you know? You know you know how like anglerfish, right? Like males just kind of like attach themselves with the females and they just kind of like become fused and become a tumor or whatever? Ryota is like that. He has no character on his own. He's only important when Yumiko decides he's important. He has no personality of his own. You know? He's an accessory to Yumiko. Exactly. I agree. I agree. That's that's not my point, though. Like, my point is that he's not absolutely, like, empty. He still had, like, a bit of contribution. Like, again, like, he's not a great character, but I don't want to completely disregard him as somebody that does, like, That bar nothing. is so low, though. Like, oh, he's not completely useless. He, he talked once. He had a line of dialogue. Like... Well, I mean, I that's know. not that's not true, though. That's objectively not true. No, but I think it is. I, I don't want to get this on too much, but it's like the amount of work that he'd done. It just, as Kevin said, you can remove him from the show completely. You can replace it with any other character. It doesn't really make a difference. I, I get the point him. they were making, Joe. You're like, oh, but he has a special connection with with Yumeko. And only he would have chosen the right card. Like I don't even think he I, does have you, a, a special connection. Honestly, like the guy is kind of like dumb as rocks. Honestly, I think that Mary or Sumeragi could have noticed the, the trick as well, and you know, like especially Mary, because she did notice the trick. I'm not even talking about the character traits. I'm not talking about like it's like it's not because of 
it's not because just because of like his relation it's 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 the fact that he's just another person compared to every other character like he like he has a role to play and he carries out a role to some degree like that's my point like it's like i would say he's close to being like very to very bare bones but he doesn't reach that point i i agree with that right I, I think at this point are literally we've been arguing over the fact of okay is is ryota is ryota completely useless or is he nearly completely useless you know this is such like this is we're walking on the razor's edge here right this is so semantic like i see this analysis very fruitful in a lot of ways like even like because dissecting a character like this gives you like a lot to think about it allows you to think about the like the little things the things that you would have missed on face value like that's like that's why it's so important to talk about something like this because like it's kind of like trying to glean it's kind of like trying to find a diamond in the rough if you want to put it like that or a code of vanilla ice cream in the sand if you will in this case <laughs> i think we should go on to our segment on art style and animation personally for me there was a lot of of stuff within the art style and animation that kind of popped out to me more so within the opening and en endings but i'll get onto that in a little bit but to me the art style is fantastic it scared me initially but the art style is fantastic i love how detailed it can get in you know with those up close shots you know when when you see those weird facial expressions and it looks kind of grotesque see, when you see their teeth like fully like fully animated yeah, or, or the fact that there's sweat on their brow and shit, and it, that zoom in kind of scares me. It kind of reminds me of Ren and Stimpy. I'm not sure if you've seen that show on, on Nickelodeon, when they zoom in and you see, like, up their nose and their boogers and shit and, like, broken bones. It kind of reminds me of that, and... Oh, I think I, I think I see what you're getting at. Yeah, that, that yeah and I sense. enjoy that to a certain degree, but I, I that's what I like about it. I, another thing that I love about the animation is that I found that this show does 3D animation correctly. You see this with the guns and stuff, and you see this with the poker chips and, and stuff like that. There's small little things that they use through the animation for that I think is just perfect in that sense. But other than that, I think it's the zooming elements that they kind of help with the ambiance and they help generate this sort of certain environment that kind of makes you feel a little bit tense. I, I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, I'll start off the 3D uh, animation at first. Looking at my notes, I, did, I didn't write anything about 3D animation because honestly, until you mentioned it, I completely forgot there was 3D CGI. And I think that the way to tell that they've done something right about the CGI is if you don't notice or don't remember that there's CGI at all. And I think that goes to speak on how well it was done. And no, no, 100%. I think the only reason that I did notice that was because obviously, you know, when you watch a lot of 3D stuff and when you work mm -hmm. in 3D, you kind of know certain, not glitches, but you know certain techniques that they use and you're like, oh, okay, that could have, couldn't have been done in, in 2D or it would have taken yeah. a long time, uh, stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah, I agree. The, the, we've already said this in the beginning, but the, the visual style is very distinct and very colorful, right? And in particular, you know, as much as, you know, the characters can sometimes be caricatures and stuff, they're not necessarily the, the deepest that you've seen, at least in the confines of what we see in season one, anyhow. Um, I find that the, their designs are really good, right? Even though, if you think about it, they're all wearing the same uniform, right? This stylish red... Uh, you know, gambling uniform, it's kind of like, you know, what you'd expect to see uh, a dealer wear at a you fancy know, it, casino. That's right? another thing. I didn't notice that. At, yeah. uh, at first, I kind of felt that they looked like Colonel Sanders, right? You know, the KFC guy, because that, <laughs> yeah. that's what he wears, right? That's the last thing I think about, dude. What what, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, you know you know that uh, black bow tie that he wears? It's not a bow tie, but he wears that sort of weird black tie with a white shirt 
and a um a red he's wearing waistcoat. like a suit yeah. he's, you know he's wearing a waistcoat he's not wearing a suit but yeah it's kind of like them they wear like that but anyway that's all i have to say around the uh, art style and animation i have more to say about the music but we'll get on to that what did you guys think especially joe what did you think of the animation any more points to add or i mean yours are kind of synonymous with mine like i really did enjoy i, I really like the um i like the cult the shading i like the the the, the vibrant colors a lot like i real like the colors just popped and it wasn't like i mean it also managed to maintain a sense of grittiness to it because i mean it's still like a gambling anime and there's like there are like dark undertones to it so like it wasn't like bubbly so to speak but visually it set the mood right i would say in a lot of ways and again like what kevin said the 3d animation like i didn't i didn't even no, there was 3D animation. I think that's how good it was. <laughs> I believe Kevin and I cut you off, so I'm not sure if you want to go back to the, your initial point. Basically, I was saying that, yeah, they're all wearing this, like, stylish, iconic red uniform, right? That'd be, that'd be, typical, that'd be typical in casinos and all that. Even though they're all wearing the same uniform for the most part, uh, the fact that they all look visually distinct is really nice to me, right? Not just because of the way that they're designed, but I, th I think that all of them stand out in your head just because of just how contrasting you know their hairstyles and all that are but also their personalities right no one character is the same they're all fucking batshit crazy mind you of course but they're all batshit crazy in their own way <laughs> you know and uh i think that the the art style uh really complements that right they all look distinct there's a lonely character there's a fucking idol there's a crazy fucking eye patch girl there is uh you know the, the typical uh you know british uh or well mary she's not she's not european but like low-key i think it's kind of implied that she is you know with her name and her blonde yeah, hair and all yeah, that yeah might be uh they're all really distinct right and uh because of that it, it just really pops out in your head and i think that uh the art song really does a good job of conveying that I will actually, sorry, just one last thing before we move on uh, to, the, to the music. To add on Kevin's point, I, I would say, honestly, the character designs were like half, were like half the, uh, the per like half of the package. Like, I think really when they added in the, the like the, the hyper-realistic, like facial, like the facial animations, like when they went and they zoomed in on the things that, that would just that they're very uncanny and weird i think that like filled in that other half because i mean when you think about it like the outfits that they wear they're all i mean they're all very similar to each other so in that regard like it's very easy to to just make like the thing of them all is the same thing when you add in how they how they look how they act that's when it really shines i kind of want to lead that into discussion about the opening and the ending and the music in the anime in terms of music i don't necessarily notice the background music but that's not really one i wanted to talk about i wanted to talk about more so the opening and the ending for the show and i wanted to say something on netflix you have an option to skip opening and endings and obviously that's designed for binging and binge watching and stuff but as i watch the show i've never done that and i don't think that there is a show that i've done that for usually you hear the segment and i'm like oh i've skipped the opening and the ending this one i've actually been listening to on spotify i've been listening to it all the time and i get hyped for it i know it sounds really stupid but at the same time i think it's also the visual element yes. within that and the meaning behind it because at first I was kind of confused by the imagery within the OP. 
because it felt a bit manic every episode i watched i kind of understood it a little bit more right with the characters being introduced etc they were showing all the characters that you eventually see in the anime and characters that you may or may not gamble with at first right you see that from the first episode i would have liked to have seen it not introduce them all at once because there's some animes like toradora they won't introduce all the anime all the characters within the op until you meet them i think that would have been a better choice to do but i still think it's still impressive and Another thing that I, I, I didn't notice at the be- or I noticed at the beginning at the beginning, but I didn't necessarily understand why they were there was the fish, right? And you only get revealed in the last episode when the student council president is there and she explains her theory about how she sees everyone in the school and she sees them as fish in her aquarium. And I was like, shit, you only find that out until the last episode and it kind of it kind of gone with this theme in the show about the whole reveal, right? It kind of works well with that. But in general, I really enjoyed the opening and the ending of Kakigurui. The live band, especially in the OP, kind of reminds me of like I'm in a casino in Vegas in the 50s, right? Yeah. It's very fitting for the show. And it, it, it kind of very fitting of the topic of gambling in general. And the anime features two ending songs. I'm not sure if you noticed this. Lay Online, which is the one where you see Yumiko like I don't want to say stripping, but she's basically stripping, right? I mean, she's just letting herself go. It seems a bit weird. It's it creeped me out a little bit. And then when I'm looking at her face on, because you really don't see that. You see how she looks in the anime, but the animation makes her look a lot different. It makes her look like a very different character in the ending scene, which I found a bit odd because her, her face looked completely different. Like she was maybe older for some reason. She looked a lot older, like she was maybe in her 30s for some reason that's the vibe that i got from it so i was just like oh okay is she taking the the uniform off because she's no longer a student at the school like i was thinking about it a lot but you also got to see her as a character i was a bit disappointed at the fact that it was basically a reused animation for the whole thing kind of like in mha how it was just deku running for the whole ending oh yeah They spent all of their animation budget for the opening. They're like, fuck, <laughs> what are we doing for the ending? It still kind of works because the music, I, st- I prefer the ending over than the opening, right? Because the music kind of diffused what, what went on within an episode, but yet it still generated hype for the next episode. And it kind of worked together because, you know, I don't want to say the bass drop because it's not a dubstep song, but the, the, the music changes when Yumiko takes off her jacket, right? And she throws it into the air and the lights kind of burst into the sky and that kind of stuff. And I was like, wow, that was very dramatic and, and great. You, you kind of notice then, like, in a lot of openings and endings, they'll usually have the animation tie into the, the song itself. Yeah, I mean, you notice it a lot, but I, I genuinely noticed it for this anime just because I was watching it a little bit more. And I think for me, also, there's episode nine special ending. I was expecting them to sing in the episode. I'm not sure if you remember that, but within the episode, you know, it was about them singing. And then you see Yumiko start the song and then it shows her dancing and moving around, but it doesn't show the music or you don't hear the music. And you're like, what the fuck? But they were saving it towards the end. And I was like, okay, I'm glad at least we got to hear that. And it, it kind of, it was great. You know what, what was weird though? The, the ending for me kind of reminded me an opening to like a mecha anime, you know, like something like Gundam. What? Yeah, what? <laughs> the music. No, the music oh, okay. reminded me of like Continue. Gundam from the '90s. That sort of vibe to it. You know, dude, what that I must mean? be the horniest mecha anime of all time. No, but that's just how I see it. Like, um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the opening and the endings? Because I've I've said all I needed to say about it. Well, I think it really like you said it well enough. I, I think the same thing, Willie. But like again, the opening for me 
as you said before, it reminds you of a casino, right? I instantly, I instantly thought, you know, with the jazz music and the smoothness and the, the I don't know if you guys noticed, but in the opening, the color palette is a bit more muted. It's almost like this watercolorish, no dark contrast or anything. It was really smooth, right? The music is really smooth and flowing as well. I got this image of the Roaring Twenties, right? I just could not stop thinking about it, you know, like the Roaring Twenties. See, right? I, I got the, the idea of the 50s. I don't know where you got the 20s from. Oh, it, it, I mean, 20th century in general, I guess we could say it like that. It's like, it kind of gave you that, like, old school. Yeah, just like people partying, jazz clubs and all that, you know, having fun. Just, uh, I know, like, this sort of, like, Bonnie and Clyde feeling, you know, like, this old school vagrancy and, you know, like... No, it, it's it's interesting because you mentioned also the color palette, and I, I didn't notice it until now, but it, it's quite interesting because it makes the characters look like dolls. Right? Like well, exactly. Porcelain. They don't look real. It's kind of, yeah. It, it adds this kind of uh, surreal element to the entire thing. Right? It, it kind of reminds me of a. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen the Beatles. You know, they're like their music videos, right? Like LSD and like uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and Yellow Submarine and stuff like that. Like that's why I said the 50s slash the 60s, because that's like sort of prime territory for that sort of psychedelic. Oh, for... It was almost psychedelic, right? Looking at it with the fish. I can see that. For me, it's more so like the, the casinos and all that, you know, like Prohibition era America that came to my mind. Okay, that's why you said the 20s. Yeah. And if we think about the, the ending, the only thing point that I got to add it up yours is that you know with her walking towards the screen and all that and the bright colors erupting around her I always got the feeling that it's like I kind of like to imagine Miko like strolling down the Las Vegas strip you know as everything's going down right so opening and ending just like you I think it's kind of like criminal to <laughs> press that skip intro button here because it's just so good and for the first time I, I've never skipped there there are moments where I don't skip the intro moments where I don't skip the ending but uh, there are very few moments where I, I choose not to skip both. And for, for this show, I always watch the entire 24 minutes every single time. because And that says I, a lot about it. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. Um, other than that, um, Joe, I'm not sure if you wanted to add any other points towards that. You know what happened? Every, I, was, I was watching this episodes back to back, right? So like I what would happen is... Netflix would sometimes auto skip to the next episode. You know, no, that's your fault because you can you can turn that off. Dude, I'm playing Final Fantasy 14, dude. Like I'm trying to watch this show while playing Final Fantasy. That's something you can change in the settings. Do not blame that on Netflix. Netflix, if you're listening, I support you guys. Joe is in the wrong here. That, that that's Joe disrespecting you, Joe. the show. How are you not giving this opening and ending your undivided attention? No, um, I get where Joe's coming from because Netflix has this feature by default that if you're what if you're binge watching it recognizes that and it will automatically skip the ending and skip the the intro to the next episode. It will always do that. I've I have noticed that. I love the opening or anything. Like the ending is very good too. Like I, I really I really like the uh, like it kind of, it's as if it kind of builds up to something. You don't know what it's gonna build up to. But the song just gives you that 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 psycho. Yeah, if that, I, if that I completely agree with that. Yeah. Uh, but but deal with the devil. There's something that's very uh, like See, even the name. I mentioned the the theme of Akuma, and I said, oh, you know, Akuma means demon in Japanese, and I kind of felt that Yumiko is the devil herself. I think this the song is about her. That's a good. That's actually a good comparison. I didn't think of it like that. Maybe that was the intention. But yeah. So like for the record, uh, listeners, the. The song name is Deal With The Devil. The artist is Tia. It, it's, I really like it because, I mean, it, it actually kind of ties into what you, like, what you just said. 
about how it's it kind of ties into the show's like theme, the character. Just as it complements Yumiko, I feel it complements the overall theme of gambling with respect to the show. It because when I think of gambling, like I always think there's a bit of a perverted nature to it. Whereas in like it kind of like the uh, the concept of gambling to me ties into the primitive nature of us wanting to take some kind of risk and usually going for it even if we know even if we're being careless if we're if we're desperate like i i like what 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 the gambling to me is the idea that it's like you're, you're putting pretty much like a lot of valuable things on the line not just objects just anything on the line in order to get something else and this song I feel captured that that idea in, in, in emotion. Like I felt just how like how seductive, how tempting gambling is through this song because it was paired up with the visuals of Kakigurui as well. Uh, and as and as a side note, when I thought when I heard the song for the first time, the first thing that came to my mind was those old school cartoons, like the like like those like. Like those really old Disney cartoons where like you would get into a brawl oh, yeah. with somebody, and then like like that's the kind of song that I would play when like the the two the two characters were brawling with each other. Mm-hmm. Like if that makes any sense. No, no, I completely get what you mean, especially like um, with the art style and how it looks. I think that's what they were trying to go for, as as me and Kevin said, with that whole sort of nostalgic feeling. Like that's exactly it, and of course, like but but really primarily it was just that paired with the, the the visuals with how the opening went like it really captured these like the the tempting and like the tempting nature of gambling and how the characters respond to it like, it just captured every single character properly especially like with one with one scene in the op when i think it's the student council president going down to to embrace to embrace yumiko like i really like that because it shows that there's this it's like they both like they they both have this affection for each other not like in not in terms of love more just because they they have very similar ideals when it comes to gambling like they're kind of like they're kind of like mirror like they kind of mirror each other yeah well i mean they're they're like opponents right that's like yumiko's arch nemesis exactly and, and then like it, it cap it just fully captures yumiko's character and the student council president's character and it, it works uh but but that's really that's pretty much all i got joe you mentioned that you had some gripes and grumbles i think me and kevin already said within the episode what we kind of felt was a bit our concerns and stuff so uh, i i wanted to know what was your concern if it was any different to what we had etc like this is like one of the examples of me being disappointed that it was kind of saved something was saved for a second season it was the very last game with with Yumiko and and the student council president. Uh, I mean, I think it's appropriate to refer to her by name at this point. Uh, her her name was um. Let me make sure I remember. It was Mo, uh, Momobami, Momobami. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it's just the very I, I I really didn't like how they left that final part for the very end. Like that final game for the end, and then just for it to to end the way it did. Yeah. Like if we're if we're talking about things that could have been removed and not changed anything, I honestly would say that was the game that they could have just outright not gone with, okay. and still you, ended the same way. Do you think they that would have been a, a nice introduction into second season, maybe to 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 have that game there or? Uh, that's, that's hard. depends on how they do it because 
like I don't know if I'd want to start with something that's so significant and important because then that kind of sets the bar high for what's going to happen afterwards. Like afterwards would just naturally feel like filler to me. Okay. Uh, right. but, but like I, I guess what I I guess what they could, what I wish they've done is maybe like if they were going to be continuing with the second season which they obviously did I wish they could have teased what would be to come rather than try to fit an encounter with the president at, at the very end just for the sake of doing so do we want to see a second season of the show and and personally for me i'm saying yes but only because the show forced me to 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 get into that you see what i mean because there's a lot of questions unanswered and i feel that the show is sprinkling in that hey this is a strong show that we have as a netflix original let's run with this so that people can watch the second season of it and to be honest with you after this episode i'm going to start watching second season because i can't wait to figure out i want to see more what they can do with the games what they can do with the character development i want to learn more about yumeko as well as well as the, the student council president i think there's a lot of stuff that i feel will be introduced in second season but if the second season is going to be more of this then honestly I'm, i will drop it that's just how i feel about it Okay, yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Uh, I, I think I would say, like, I mean, there are a number of reasons why I want to see the second season, but I think, like, the, the biggest one, like, aside from the characters, like, aside from just seeing Yumiko again, it's and Midori, to certain. I'm sorry, like, I, I really liked how, I liked how sporadic, like, how, like, sporadic she was, how, like, how animated she was. Like, I liked, I, I really liked the batshit insane type of characters, like, as you, as you probably already can see there's just something very fascinating about them there's a lot to observe from that and that kind of actually kind of ties into why I, my biggest reason for wanting to see a second season it's the thrill because for me there was a there was a huge there was like this strong feeling of euphoria for me whenever i saw like yumiko just going like doing her batshit antics or seeing a character like act in a very substantial way and of course seeing like the facial expressions because they usually tie it into like how cr like how much they were willing to go in order like how far they're willing to go in order to to do something that that other people would see as like totally crazy and bash it insane and like it's like why the hell would you do this like i like seeing that because like for me it just it just gives me life <laughs> Kevin, do you have any points on whether or not you want to see a second season? It, this past month has been kind of like a torture for me, honestly, right? Because I was expecting, I, I finished watching the show like a week before the right? I don't really finish watching shows like on the day of or whatever, right? But for this, I just kind of accidentally almost marathoned it in like two days, right? While taking note. Just because like I just wanted to see what each new matchup would bring, right? And, you know, this show's got its flaws. We've gone over already with the pacing sometimes with you know lack of payoff to certain characters but despite all that i feel that it sets a very strong foundation for what's to come right so they, they've given you a bunch of teasing and all that they've introduced you to all the characters and i feel that in season two uh we'll be able to get finally get some answers to all of that you know all those little breadcrumbs that they've been leaving for us in the first season so yeah definitely season two is something that i'm gonna be watching right um no question about it honestly you've worded it in a very like it's probably in the best way like it's if anything like if anything at all this show like the first season set up an incredible foundation for what could happen later on like it's like if they like now that we we know the circumstances of everything now that we've like gone to taste of the action they can go into the second the second season with guns blazing 
I would recommend this show to other people. There's a lot of value in this show, especially if you're getting into gambling anime for the first time. Uh, it's not as dark as shows like, uh, you know, Kaiji or Akagi or anything like that. And it's it kind of, if you really want to get into the gambling aspect of anime, this might be useful for you guys. But I would recommend, because it is on Netflix, I would recommend to, as soon as you finish season one, watch season two, because obviously you won't have the same issues as us in terms of, oh, uh, you know not watching the second season and having not answers and answers not answered if that makes sense so yeah watching it i think it would be better to watch it both together all in one go as if it was a 24 episode anime that's just how i see it so um, i'm not sure about you guys if you would recommend it to anyone but i highly would recommend this show honestly i think that you know either this or kaiji would make a good introduction to uh, to the gambling genre the distinction i would make is that kaiji perhaps go into it if you're okay with a slower pace, right? Because Kaiji is a lot slower. That is one of the uh, gripes that uh, I think I had with it in uh, the episode that we covered on it. So if you haven't checked that out yet, go ahead and do it. I think right? Kaiji uh, season uh, one only covered, like, sorry, but I think season one only covered three games, right? Yeah, it was insanely long. Like, Kai Kaiji, I say, I'd say, is kind of like the, the antithesis of this, where it's like, okay, this initially, there are too many instances of, of single episode games. And it's over too quick, right? It, it's over before it really even starts. Kaiji is kind of the opposite, where yes, you get all that nitty gritty, like, you know, forged IQ, like, mind fucks and those plot twists and all that. And it's a roller coaster, but it overstays its welcome, right? So for me, it depends on what kind of person you are. Do you, are you, like, you know, are you really patient? Are you okay with really slow paced action? If that's the case, perhaps kaiji is more your thing if you're more into you know i'd say interesting game setups and all that you just want to you know dip your toes into the genre i think that kakaguri would be more it probably appeal to a wider audience you know either case i don't think that i'd recommend either one to anyone who's trying to get into anime it's just because like it, it's such a strange beast you know the characters are so peculiar i i think in general kevin uh, sorry to cut your point if you're watching anime on netflix you're you're probably not watching anime for the first time because a lot of the anime on netflix i wouldn't recommend to first time viewers of anime so already there if you're if you are on netflix and you're watching anime there you would have had some experience with anime that's just how i see it okay fair enough so it's it's a show I would definitely recommend. However, like, I do, like okay, so generally the show I would say is is just good fun. Like if I want to like strip it down to what it is, like you can watch it and I mean not turn your brain off. I don't want to emphasize that. You could go into it, you could just have a, a blast. Just like just let yourself be taken on for a ride and just enjoy it you know like because no matter what you're still gonna have some kind of thrill with it you're gonna get some kind of charm from it like it's just genuinely it's just attractive especially when you have a character who just does whatever she wants for the sake of doing it and getting the like the the euphoria from it the dopamine fix <laughs> i mean it, it kind of like it, it's like for example uh it's like I, I didn't mention it earlier on but there was a scene when freaking uh when Yumiko is on the ground and she's like pretending to be a cat because she's a house pet. Oh my god, that you, scene. Yeah, you remember that scene, right? When like everyone's laughing at her and then she's like, Oh, oh, I'm a house pet now. I just I gotta be I'm just gonna be a little cat. 
It's just like, man, there's a lot to, there's a lot that you can get from this show, and I, I would recommend it for that reason. Uh, that being said, I don't like like I said before, I don't recommend it for for just total beginners to anime. I think like you want to like maybe ease yourself in on the whole genre before you go into it because it can be a very overwhelming show, especially with how with how twisted it can get. Like I, like it, it's a show that can that can really make someone uncomfortable if they're not ready for it. So it's like you just have to be you have to be ready for it. Uh, that, that that's about it. Well, if that, if that's all of our thoughts on the matter, then you know. Well, first I want to say thank you. For, for everyone for tuning in as always uh, I mean I'm, I'm personally I'm just really glad to be back in the swing of things it's been kind of a long time uh, and you know I'm a little rusty I mean I can feel it like hosting is like it's it's kind of it's, it's kind of funny it's kind of interesting going into my first episode in a while and then hosting it right after that but I guess that's just how crazy I am that's just how chaotic I am inside are you comparing yourself to Yumiko <laughs> I really wanted to start with a bang and like I told I talked to to you and, and Kevin about it. Like I really I wanted to start with it with something with something I really liked and something that that just people th- that would just kind of be very like crazy in nature. Because I mean the show itself like had a lot to think about. I mean let us know what you guys think about the episode. Like let me like if you have any critiques, if you have any feedback, uh like if there's anything that you want to see like see us improve on or or anything to that degree. Like you, like feel free to, to come in and chill on our Discord because we have that. We've had it for quite a bit of time. You can see it by checking out www.getalifepodcast.com slash Discord. But with that said, I would like to direct it to Bish to reveal our next episode. So before I reveal the next episode, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, cock tease you for a little bit. I just want to thank our sponsors, Crunchyroll, Japan Crate, Jlist. Uh, you can go check out the links in the description. Basically, the way our sponsors work is that everything will be getlifepodcast.com and then for Crunchyroll, it will be slash Crunchyroll. For Jlist, it will be slash Jlist. And for Japan Crate, it will be slash Japan Crate. Links will all be in the description. Alternatively, you can go to getlifepodcast.com forward slash sponsors. All the links and all the information will be there. So big thanks to our sponsors for supporting this episode of the podcast. Finally, I just want to announce what the next episode is going to be. It's an episode that I've been waiting for a super, super long time. It is Toradora. And you're like, what? what, what?" This was a show that we've been toying with for a long time, kind of like Oremo. I wanted to make sure that everyone was on board to do this because if we had done it in the beginning, like imagine if we'd done Toradora at the beginning of Kunai, it would have flopped so hard and I would have had so much regret. But I think we're at a place emotionally and we've grown as podcasters to the point where I feel that we can properly cover Toradora in a way that we can be happy about it and obviously something that's entertaining for you guys. So expect in that episode a lot of conversation around relationships, uh, obviously shipping will return in this episode just for this episode as well as best girl debates etc <laughs> so it's gonna be kind of old school kunai with this new modern kunai twist so i hope you guys enjoy that episode that being said thank you guys for watching thank you see ya and, you know and uh remember as always i always gotta end it as like this stay sexy